<sighs> Better now? What? I don't know. You were stressed out a second ago trying to no, fix I, I your was just collapsing home. Fixing, I'm fixing a fixing a foam panel, which is not not the greatest thing. Um, hey, Spencer, I, I I thought of Spencer immediately, Dominique, when I saw that Cliff Kingsbury went to Thailand and oh, was not beautiful. taking calls. Good for him. And, so proud of him. And Spencer, I'm just glad you're here and not there because I feel like there was a non-zero chance you'd be like, you know what? That's a good idea. Full disclosure, I did text him. So <laughs> I texted him. And not only that, let's go ahead. Let's just assume that like every person of importance in the world, they're watching Debatable. Cliff Kingsbury, I texted okay. you. And not only did I text you, oh, hey, hi, what's up? Sorry you got fired. By the way, if you want to meet in Thailand, <laughs> do a story that'd be great no 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 i didn't even put the burden of a story on him all i said was if you want to meet in laos or cambodia so i Ooh. made it i made it a dare on two different levels do you dare trust a writer slash journalist and two do you meet him at a third location much <laughs> less right. laos or cambodia <laughs> don't ever send me that text because i'm saying yes we're going oh yeah yeah, love I it. Too. Uh, Dominic, I love it that you, like me, are like, the button, it's so shiny. I'm going <laughs> to press it. I'm going to press it. Yeah, I want I want to do this show from a night market on like a plastic stool. We're all smoking cigarettes, alabaster. I feel like you could show up and it all, we could make, we could make that work. Oh, yeah. Hammering some nails in Cambodia. That'd be great. Um, should we get started amazing? with some NFL? Oh, smoking cigarettes. Got yeah. it. I was very confused. Mm. Um, yeah. I was also, to be honest, as a non, so as a non nicotine user. Let's go on to a team that's given Dominique probably he probably had to smoke a cigarette last night after what Dak Prescott oh, yeah. did. Um, and my question: <laughs> How did how did the Cowboys win over the Bucks? Change how you view their matchup with the 49ers next week? This was sex for Dominique, right? Like Dominique, no, this game was it yes, it was. Like, Dak Prescott, no, Dak was... Prescott. You needed that postcoital cigarette no, for that reason. No, no it must no, have felt no, no. great. It was, you know, I mean, I, I guess it it feels great, like a kid going to the toy store. Like you know, it's going to be fun, and then you go do it, and it's fun. It's like I I, I anticipated this outcome. And then I went and it was a good outcome. It's like Christmas. You know, it's you can't have a bad Christmas and you can't have a a bad rain Dakota playoff game. It was impressive as he always is in the postseason. I want to know this. Passing touchdowns. Rushing I want touchdown Spencer. You see that rushing it. TD? I'm sorry to cut you off, Pablo, but I want to point out to everybody. Do you know what a saucy blowout this was? How did he score that rushing TD? Answer. Oh. Naked. Naked. Boot. <laughs> Naked boot. Do you know when you have the other team's defense in a spin cycle, when you can score on the naked boot, the high school special, you might as well do tight end throwback. Like complete, total, like collapse on defense. And you saw Peyton do it. Like if yeah. you get Peyton Manning's approval on the Manning cast, that to me means you're performing at a high level. When they did that, uh, chef's kiss. You know who didn't get Peyton Manning's approval? Brett. Maher. <laughs> Buddy no. Maher! He got the stand up from your chair and look like you are coaching yeah. the kicker who missed four extra points. Yeah, he got that part. It's I, such, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Spencer. I love that they sent him out. I love that they sent him out for the, for the last extra point. That's faith in your dudes, man. That is, if you've lost four hands at the table, go back for a fifth. 
Why not? The streak has to end eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the only big question about this this week of practice for the Cowboys is who's going to be their kicker? Because the we'll get off of Brett. Is it Maher or Mar? Or Mar? Because I feel like Bill Maher spells it that way and we call him Maher. But everyone says Maher when it's about Brett, but whatever. That's the only yes. remaining question. And we'll get back to the football players in a second. Both but at risk of being canceled, incidentally. <laughs> yes. Both Mars. It, yes. it, is, it is a big concern because he had a great season. And he just burned all that goodwill by kicking the ball every which way but through the uprights. And, like, the sidelines mad. Cowboys legends Emmett Smith has got videos of him furious. Everyone's confused. Dak. Yeah, Dak and go for two. What are we yeah. doing? What are we doing? Yeah, it was it was rough. So I, I mean, I don't know. If you guys have anything to add to this? But I'm waiting to see who's going to show up and kick for them because I find it hard to believe that it's going to be him after that performance. I love that it's a, a Mike McCarthy classic because everything went perfectly except for one thing. There's yeah. like one little detail thing that just falls off. Like he's the original like ADHD student coach, and I say that because <laughs> I was one that you could absolutely ace the test, but forget to put your name on it, that you could turn in a perfect project, but you could accidentally leave like a children's toy in the middle of your diorama, something oh. like that, right? Just a little <laughs> detail. That to me is like the perfect Mike McCarthy experience that we would get firing on all cylinders, but do something like miss four extra points. I know that wasn't Mike McCarthy, but karmically that's the passenger who rides with them when you have a Mike McCarthy experience. He did that dance though. It was a hell of a strut. Oh yeah. It was like, mm, mm. I think the tough thing about changing your opinion based on this game is the Bucks are really bad and have been all year and the 49ers are really good and have been all year. I think the Cowboys are talented yeah. enough to win this game. I, I don't think so. I guess maybe for some people, if you believed that Dak was as bad as he had been recently, then maybe seeing him do this changed your mind. But I was never that person. So I, I don't really have much a change perspective on this game. I think Dak is can the we, best quarterback. Can we just be very clear? But, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're saying Dak is the best quarterback. And in fact, I don't know if we have the image. I just want to, congrat I want to congratulate Dominique. There it is. Yeah. Like this headline becoming true, because this was published like over a year ago. <laughs> and mm -hmm. now, and now we are all saying it with him. Dak deserved that, buddy. Yeah, I mean, Dak, Dak, uh, Stephen A said it, and that's why it doesn't make sense to you now. But in the moment, Dak deserved that money was a problem because <laughs> they were not paying him that money. I'm happy that they probably they finally paid him that money and it paid off. And yes, he was much better than Tom Brady last night. I'm not he surprised. He's the best quarterback far. left in the NFC, which means something in the playoffs. They don't have the best team that goes to either the 49ers or the Eagles, but he's absolutely the best quarterback and he's playing incredibly well right now. So if he does make a run to the playoffs, this is legacy type of stuff mm, hold alabaster. on can you, can you expound there that i think it's pretty unclear if he's the best quarterback left in the afc in the nfc with jalen hurts who's an mvp candidate before he got hurt daniel jones who's played at a higher level than him down the stretch this season number one QBR. and brock purdy who is um i was gonna say special yeah, in all the areas that matter and that's who he's playing this week yeah so giant. Oh, we're we're being serious. You actually want me to? I'm dead. To... I'm dead serious. I actually think it's interesting if you think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Look at that. I mean, <laughs> he has the 
the longest proven track record of anyone. He just had the best game of anyone in the first round. Uh, he, Jalen Hurts, who I think is a legitimate competitor, is still injured. He's not playing at full strength right now, and he also came off of a, a bad game. And Purdy is good, but very much reliant on the players around him. I, I think that Dak in that similar situation would be better than Purdy. I don't think this is a hot take. I think that Jalen Hurts at points this season, fully healthy Jalen Hurts, played better than Dak Prescott. But I think at this current moment, based on what we've seen recently in the long-term track record, we've seen Jalen Hurts have one great season and is dealing with a shoulder injury at this moment. I don't think it's reasonable to put Purdy or anyone else or Daniel Jones in the conversation with Dak, given his track record. I don't get what Dak did to y'all. It doesn't make sense to me. It's mm -hmm. not just you. Just a general, by y'all, I mean everybody. Like, Dak is just like, seems like a nice guy. He's not perfect. Seems like a nice guy. He's done all the things that you expect of a quarterback to do, but still somehow he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. You said he's Dak versus Wentz. He did, he did that. Dak win a playoff game. He's done that. Dak, elevate the players around you. He just did it. And now we talking about Purdy? No, 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 no. We're talking about... Dak Prescott, who led the NFL interceptions, even though he missed five games, and comparing him to Jalen Hurts, who was the presumptive so, MVP before he got hurt. Okay, okay. Josh Allen. Jerry Jones energy from Alabama. Josh Allen also throws a ton of picks. We do not question him in has because also he's has better. A, a shorter shorter track record than Dak Prescott of of sustained success. So, like, it, it just it blows my mind why every time we talk about Dak, even after arguably the best win of his career, or it's probably not even arguably the best win of his career, oh, even yeah. after we have to put him in a conversation with guys who do not have his credentials. What did he do to y'all? Like, he even, he even stood during the anthem. He did everything he could possibly do <laughs> to make y'all like him. And yet, yet, every time, he even plays the game the way that the old football people say you're supposed to play it. He's in the pocket. He's reading defenses. He's making all the checks. And still, still, we have to listen to y'all pretend like Dak ain't that dude. Listen, it's disgusting. The, Despicable. No, Alabaster. Al I'm sorry, Spencer. You can go next. Let me mm -hmm. finish up. Alabaster, you don't get to come in and try to clean this shit up now. Spencer, what you got to <laughs> say, sir? I was going to say he even keeps his beard like red state neat, right? Like that is a <laughs> oh, very – it, 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 Everything you want. Manicured. That is that is that is that is the that is the beard of a fiscal conservative and social liberal. Okay, <laughs> that is the beard of a salt life bumper sticker. Okay, and that's and he keeps it for you because that that's he, he just wants to be everybody's quarterback, and yet no one loves him. But he's not the quarterback I'm no, most frightened well. of. He's not because I'm scared of the unknown. Okay, and that's where Brock Purdy comes in because I I know what Dak's capable of. Okay. Dak's capable of winning a game, even if he throws three picks, okay? Dak's capable of immense disappointment because we know what his talent is, okay? We know he's good. Brock Purdy, terrifying unknowns. Also, <laughs> I know Brock Purdy's only going to do the thing that Shanahan wants him to do. He's not out there to freestyle. He's out there to complete the assignment. And generally what Shanahan wants is terrifying. Did you see the three touchdowns that they scored on through the air that Purdy threw? They're all deep over. 
They're all deep over. Do you know why? Because Shanahan kept calling it. He was going to do what the assignment was. There will be no freestyling there. And that's one of the things that terrifies me because I'm like, I don't know. Maybe if he fills out all the paperwork, they win. No, it does feel like we've established that these Niners with Brock Purdy are better than they were with Jimmy Garoppolo, that Kyle Shanahan is using Brock Purdy already more aggressively differently to Spencer's point that they use Jimmy Garoppolo one game in. And it just feels like the range of outcomes on him is like infinite. Like I could believe that this ends in him feeling like Tom Brady at the end of the story. I can see him having the worst game we've seen a playoff quarterback ever have because we've seen him play one game so far. And that is terrifying. The, the um, big challenge I think uh, that we would see is Purdy in a situation where the game plan is is rendered useless. Yeah. And with Dan Quinn being the head coach where Kyle Shanahan uh, won or took them, helped to take the offense to the Super Bowl and won an MVP with Matt Ryan, you would assume that that familiarity would, like, yield some level of, like, I don't know, stagnation. I think there's going to be a give and a take, but I don't imagine that he's going to cook this defense the way that we expect Shanahan to do. So there's going to be a time, and Purdy's made some not easy throws. I mean, he made an incredible mm -hmm. play to Ayuk that he dropped. That's the thing that stands out in my memory, and he made some passes that I think were uh, not obvious, you know, and made great decisions, which we don't give a ton of credit for incompletions or throwaways. He's he's doing that. So he's shown us all. He's given us all the reason to be encouraged and happy with him, as happy and encouraged you can be with a guy as small a sample size as we have. But there's a chance. The whole reason why Kyle Shanahan traded away everything to move up to get Trey Lance is because he knows that there comes a time when your scheme is not right. And somebody got to make a play. And that's what we need to see from Purdy. And we haven't quite seen yet, uh, particularly in a big game and against a good defense because their run, their Purdy run, has been Purdy mediocre as far as the defenses that they see. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Alabaster, are you doing okay? No, I think he died. I think he died. Somebody else took over. I uh, did to you, Dominique. I, I would like to apologize for comparing Dak Prescott to Jalen Hurts. I never should have done that. One <laughs> of those guys was an MVP candidate. The other one has played one good playoff game in his career. Yeah, um, don't don't argue with fools. It's it's a waste of your energy. I'm disappointed in myself for falling into the trap. You, would you, you, lose do, the would you describe yourself image? as a, a Dak addict? Are you a Dak head? <laughs> no, I I am. Uh, I'm addicted to reality. Mm. It's. It's a tough thing to deal with when you are the only one or you are one of very few people who like sees what's actually happening and everyone else is chasing some made up fiction. Spencer, Spencer, you ever go to a dinner and you're like, hey, what's up, guys? And you're like, oh, this couple that has their own other thing going is like mm -hmm. working stuff out. In front oh, of yeah. You. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're doing. I just wanted to observe yeah. that hypothetically. Ooh, also, yeah. I, I got a transition here. Mm -hmm. I, it's Tom Brady who didn't, who was one of those couples who didn't work it out. Um, wow. Should there be a robust market for Tom Brady this offseason? Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I believe there should be a robust market for Tom Brady because it will be hilarious. Please give me all of the hypotheticals, including and not limited to J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 
That's oh it. My God. Tom Brady to the Jets is everything I want to happen in football. Some of you are good <laughs> people, so and you want perfect. good things to happen. Me, I want a car crash. I want Tom Brady with the Jets. That's how it's supposed to end. That's how the American dream in football ends, okay? You start, you win a bunch of playoffs for one franchise, and then you finish with the Jets. It's tradition. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what is what qualifies as robust, but absolutely they're going to be suitors. Like the, he's he's not uh, he's one of the thirty-two best quarterbacks available, and some team's going to bring him in, even if he's interested. the The answer is if Tom wants to play, he can play. I don't know. I know teams will want him. I don't know that there's a situation that's attractive enough to bring him back. But I, I also like, as I've mentioned several times on this program and others is us trying to apply logic to Tom Brady's decision-making when it comes to to play or not to play is a fool's errand. Like, I I start thinking, like, man, he has to have an offensive line because he's obviously scared to hit get hit. He has to have a team that's ready to win like last time. And I actually, while I think winning a Super Bowl is incredibly important to him, I also think playing football seems to be the most important thing to him based on his decision-making. Well, so he's going to play football somewhere next year. Well, this is, I, I agree, the, the the not getting hit thing, which feels like the big takeaway in terms of just like updating what he's going to be like going forward, right? Like he does not want to get touched in the pocket if he can avoid it. That was the story of this Cowboys game. It feels like when I'm trying to psychoanalyze it, Dominic, using logic to your point, I'm like, well, obviously that's because his now ex-wife made a whole point about him being injured and how if he gets injured, like this is the whole reason to retire early. And he's trying to like disprove the fact that he doesn't need to retire early because look, he can be healthy and fine. And maybe that's why he's now actually ironically going to play himself out of the league. But I also just feel like there is just something in him that just doesn't. And this is like actually deeply relatable. I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's just a part of him that doesn't want to find out what's after this because he knows it's not going to be as good. And that basic instinct, like anything, I mean, he's a guy who has the secret plans that have been reported and sort of documented in like court filings. And then all of the other conspiracies, I, I just think we should be ready for anything to happen. I Listen, we're past retire early. I want to go back to that <laughs> phrase. Like, oh, that's why he could retire early. We're 10 years past that. <laughs> We're a decade past retire early, okay? He's retiring early on the scale of an average American worker. He's retiring early. Yeah, he should be getting AARP mm. mailers, and that's not a joke. Like, he's demographically, when they start recruiting you, yeah. he's there, okay? He's in the AstraZeneca zone, okay? <laughs> he's fully in people who should not be on a football field. And I know also why he won't retire because he sees where the ball should go right now his brain mm. like you cannot show him anything he hasn't seen you cannot give him a new look every single play i guarantee you even the ones where he was flat on his back he's thinking it was the x or he was thinking it's it's the z i know exactly where the ball should go but his body can't do it anymore and and i know also in his head he's thinking no i can still do it i got it just need a run game that's all i need guarantee you in his head you want to think logically don't think yeah. irrationally think he's like all i need is a decent run game and a defense and i got this problem was we didn't run the ball enough this year otherwise i'm good and the sick thing is that there are numbers that back up some of what he's thinking enough where it might feel like reality uh, well imagine dominique Ima i mean I, I assume he imagines what it's like to be brock purdy right now i imagine right. that he imagines what it's like to be playing for his hometown team 
like there's no way that he's not running these scenarios as he's throwing a career high 66 passes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get knocked out of the playoffs I think a lot of people are concerned including Tom Brady about what happens if he continues to get hit and continues to play football Um, I'm also very concerned with what happens when he stops Uh, I think that uh, he's not going to Thailand yeah I, I don't know I mean I think that He's not like us is an understatement. And by us, I mean all of us, including actual football players. And Homo sapiens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not like us. And, like, maybe he should call Michael Jordan. Like, people who have this ridiculous compa- – he tried – he did one of the dirtiest plays we've ever seen. Oh, my seen God, yes. This season when he threw an interception. Like he tried leg whip. to leg whip somebody. He's 45. Mm-hmm. He's 45, <laughs> and I'm guessing can't fight. Maybe he can fight for regular fights, but can't fight with the guys that he's out there on the field with. And, like, when we try to talk about Tom Brady and what he's thinking, what he's going to do, remember, he's a man who has seven Super Bowl championships and tried to leg whip somebody in a game that he was getting his ass beat. So while this is A, yes, mm-hmm. funny. B, Tom Brady post football, that energy ain't going nowhere. I'm concerned. So keep (laughs) playing, Tom. Keep playing. You said you you, you were wondering whether he could fight. Let me put it this way. If he showed up in a fight video, we would retweet it and make it viral because it would be old man fights young man. That would be it. Like that's that's where he's at age-wise, right? And headspace-wise, that is terrifying to imagine that he thinks this could still keep going. Oh, Spencer, he believes he is the call an ambulance guy, mm-hmm. but not for me. Tom, yeah. it's for you. So it's actually was, for you though. Who was watching him? Who was watching him? Tom Cruise. All right. Did you see Tom? Oh, did you see Top Gun Maverick? Oh. Did you see Top Gun course. Maverick? There was a point in Top Gun Maverick where Maverick, no. confronted with the limits of mortality and aging, has a choice to teach the next generation. And instead, the entire lesson of Top Gun Maverick is <laughs> I will never die and will only continue to improve. <laughs> That's the message. It's, it's I, not, I do will hand this my off. own stunts. Right. I will continue to do my own stunts. That's who he had watching him in the booth. Not a good Honestly, sign. It's so perfect. I, I, in every way, Alabaster, Tom Cruise, Tom Brady, the similarities facially, spiritually, surgically. It's just exactly, it's, it's absolutely on the nose in all the ways, literal and figurative. He actually shaped his nose. Before we move on, does everyone think he should go to the Jets? Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. I mean, I mean, yeah. also like Lamar Jackson going to the Jets too. So hmm. I think everybody should go to the Jets. It'll be fun. Yeah, Lamar Jackson to the Falcons. Yeah, that'd be fun. Arthur <laughs> Smith. Ooh. Oh, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That Southern bias you got there is leaking out. I saw a sweet Photoshop of Lamar Jackson in the Falcons jersey. It looked great. Is there a Photoshop? I I noticed that Lamar, because we're so accustomed to see quarterbacks photoshopped, quarterbacks look bad in most jerseys, but Lamar is a a different kind of quarterback. I have not seen an ugly Photoshop. I've seen lots of them in the past. Lamar looks great in every jersey. Yeah. Yeah, he really does. I need Lamar in one of those big hats. You know, the big caps that are currently in vogue, right? (laughs) Because that is the only cap that could make his head look normal. Like, Lamar has... This giant Easter Island statue-sized head, and that is the only thing that could put it in proportion. Love Wait, even even Kayvon Thibodeau breaking out the top hat, you're like, no, 
not big enough. The top hat, magician's hat, not big enough. Got to go. Got to go. Uh, yeah. Did Kayvon have a onesie? Did he have a yeah. festive like onesie oh, yeah, on that he was? On. Oh, magnificent. We'll have some Christmas True. jammies. Um, can I ask you about the Chargers? They fired their OC and quarterback coach. Is that enough? Or does Brandon Staley also have to go? Hmm. It feels like if we get the news that Brandon Staley is also getting fired, that would be surprising at this point. Like yes. you announced the reports this first. are that he, they're likely keeping him. Yeah, I mean, this seems, I mean, it seems like this was the problem, <laughs> was the offense and the people making decisions, not even the quarterback himself, although maybe that's another debate. Um, I think Brandon Staley should stay. Um, I don't, I'm not sold on him, but I also feel like if this version of the Chargers doesn't work, then yes, it's time to fire him. But I let him try out this version as Dominique waves to who's more important than us right now, Dominique. Mina Kimes. Oh, God. <laughs> the great. Oh, no. Hi. Oh, no. What? I just came in to say <laughs> goodbye to Dominique, but also hello. <laughs> hello, I Mina. Mean, oh, that's safety school. Um, yeah. I mean, Brandon Staley conversation to me is less interesting than Mina barging in. Like, I, I find what I find interesting about the Brandon Staley conversation is how, like, vigorous people are calling for his firing in spite of the fact that he's not doing the things that you say the reason why you want to fire him. Uh, like, he's not the hyper-aggressive fourth down guy anymore. It, it was very dumb for him to play Mike Williams last week. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. The collapse is not completely on him. But when you are firing somebody there's a couple of reasons why you can fire them, a coach particularly. I, I don't think that the collapse is a reason. The collapse is like a kicker if you are on the verge. And I don't think you should be on the verge. I think Brandon Staley probably got the job sooner than he was ready for, but I have seen him grow and improve. And he's coaching the hell out of this defense. I think the answer is, yeah. unless it's Sean Payton or unless it's an obvious upgrade, the answer is not just bring somebody else in. And the other reason to fire a coach particularly after a game like this, is how the locker room feels about him. I don't know that answer. Uh, based on all the things that I've heard, they feel they're confident in him. If that's the, the situation, there's no reason, in my view, to move on from Brayden State. Let me go ahead and commend him for one thing. We are lambasting his decisions as a manager, and that's fair. You can do that. But I also want to put one tick over in the credits column if we can, which is this. Always hire somebody who is mad fireable. That's what you need to do. If you're an executive, you need to have a scapegoat built into the organization at all times. Brandon Staley, kudos to you for recognizing that by hiring Joe Lombardi, an offensive coordinator that everybody blamed even when he wasn't to blame. That, to me, that's an asset as an assistant that you need to have. Walk in the room, and they're like, what do you bring? And you're like, I think I do a pretty good job offensively, but more importantly, I attract blame like a magnet. That's what Joe Lombardi has here. That's what he's going to carry to his next job. Because I guarantee you, by the way, because this is the NFL, Joe Lombardi, bad penny. He's turning up somewhere else. And do you know what he's going to walk in and say? I'll take the blame. That's cool. Six, <laughs> figures, six figures a year in Benny's. I got it, baby. When times get tough, guess who's hitting the bricks? Me, not you. That's it. Let me be your organizational crash test dummy. And that, to me, Brandon Staley, you're going to last a long time at the Chargers oh, job. God. Okay? Provided you continue this kind of sound organizational thinking. Should they keep him? Um, he built in another year just on this bit of genius alone. So congratulations. Also, really he did. should go back to being the fourth down guy. Go go do that. All right? Yes. I don't, yeah. I, I think he felt 
it, it seems to me that like I don't know if more eyes were on him because you know no one likes being watched. I think people paid attention to it. Maybe that affected his decision making. Maybe he didn't feel comfortable with the signal caller. Right? Maybe he didn't feel comfortable with the play caller or what he would send on on fourth down. That seems insane to me. Maybe it was possible. Um, they used Austin Eckler enough to me where I would think fourth and short was a go every single time and that they were going to feel confident in it. I think they lost that somehow this year, and I'm not exactly sure why. So go back to doing that. Yeah, it sounds like he was just sort of governing towards the middle or trying to. And it's like, no, man, mm -hmm. we liked you when you were like a radical leftist. Let it hang. Can you go yeah, back go. to that? You you liked him. Lots of people hated him. And it's funny that he tried to appease those people. And those are the people most loudly calling for him to be fired. Correct. That's why you need a crash test dummy. Always hire a crash test dummy, baby. Hmm. All right, guys. Uh, one more football one. Do you now think Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan for the long haul? <laughs> <laughs> this is like year three of how many years have we been asking this exact question at this rough time of year, Spencer? Uh, he's already been there for the long haul. That's the thing. On the scale of modern coaching terms, he's already been there a long time, right? Remember, prior to beating Ohio State twice, we were talking about, wow, Jim Harbaugh's been there a long time and still hasn't beaten Ohio State. Yep. Now we're talking about, is he there long term? What is long term? You've already gotten everything that you want out of the dude, okay? Reasonably speaking. You go back and look. Statistically, they are a top five team every single year in terms of football analytics. If they beat Ohio State, they're a playoff team. And it stands to reason you go, okay, is this the ceiling for Michigan? I think they're very happy with it. The thing you're going to get with Harbaugh every single year is that he's going to rubberneck and he's going to look. And people say, well, this is just so he can get a raise. What makes you think this man understands money? <laughs> I mean, I mean that. What makes you think that's the primary motivator here? I'm not saying because he's selfless, okay? I'm saying because maybe once it gets above, I don't know, six figures, he doesn't know what he's counting. I'm not saying because he's stupid. No, it... I'm saying because that man cares about football. That's it. If the bills get paid, there is one, two, three, many in the bank. That's it. All he cares about <laughs> is the insecurity of being a football coach who can't even be pleased with money. Right. What you want is you want this little thing on campus. What you want is for them to move this thing over here. That's it. You're when you have that much money and you have that much success and your job is a sinecure as long as you keep beating Ohio State. Guess what you get to do? Get governed by your feelings. That's it. We're now just dealing with Jim Harbaugh's feelings. And as you can see, that's a volatile beast. That is a dragon you don't necessarily want to ride year to year. But as long as the results show it, Get on, baby. Climb on with the saddle. We're all we're all riding this particular dragon together. It does feel, though. I mean, Dominic, it does feel like his crime here, right? Like, in the end, because he has stayed for all of the flirting. Like, his crime, essentially, is he likes to look. Okay, yeah. so what? Jim Harbaugh likes to look. But he's not doing anything. He just likes to look. Is that so wrong? Why can't a man look every once in a while? He just wants to make it. He wants to make sure that there's a market for him. He just wants to feel good about himself. He's just looking. Yeah, I mean, he's just looking. And I, I think it's better for him. It's better for college football. It's better for all of us. It's better probably for the NFL too. Or at least it doesn't help the NFL too much that he comes to the league. I think he's in his spot. He's in the right spot. Whether he knows it or not, this spot is perfect for all of us. That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that he's not going to continue to look. But I think one of the things that we leave out of this conversation is he's Jim Harbaugh. And for most of his life, that meant 
he was the most impressive Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. It's not anymore. Mm-hmm. And the one other Harbaugh who is like past him is the one who stopped him from reaching the pinnacle of uh, his profession. So, like, I think that that's an underrated dynamic is the sibling rivalry of it all is the best he can do is get his ass beat by TCU. (laughs) And that still, even if he wins a college championship, you still John's brother when your whole life he was Jim's brother. Yeah, but you know what Jim gets? I guarantee you, counter at the table is this. Yeah, my NFL career was better. NFL, yeah, I was a better player. Nobody remembers it. The further we get away from it, the less it matters. Jim remembers. That's all that matters. You think, all that matters here are feelings. You think if these two are standing in the middle of a field and we let some fans get in a line to shake one of their, their hands, you think the line is longer for Jim or John? Where are we? Oh, this is a Where great are we? exercise. We're in a random, random place. Okay. It's probably John, but you know what? In his mind, it should be Jim, and that's the point. Exactly. And Jim will explain all of this to you. It's like, I was the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. They called me Captain Comeback. This is it. (laughs) You think think you're dealing with a 59, 60-year-old man. You're not. That's an 18-year-old man right there, all right, in in a a 60-year-old's body. Just waiting to tell you about all the mountains he threw that football over. Don't overcomplicate oh, it. We're just dealing with an emotional man who not only likes to look, but wants the affirmation of, I'm pretty. That's it. When you right. say, is Harbaugh there for the long term? The long term of college football is tomorrow. That's it. If the right job comes up, he's gone. Until it does, he's there forever. That's a hard mindset to, hard mindset to adopt, but that's what you have to think like. This entire show has been a psychological study in what it's like when you start calling a guy Captain Comeback and then ask him to stop trying to come back. Right. Right. Don't. Like, also, if quarterback wants quarterback forever, that man's a diva. Oh. He will always oh. be a diva. Speaking of, look at, look, look at, the, look at oh. the diva creeping up. He's so cut. He's so cut. For the podcast audience. Just Absolutely cut. cut. Oh, getting better as he ages is what Israel Gutierrez is. And I guess Sorry, Spencer. Israel Gutierrez has his shirt on, a leading advertisement we just cut at the end of the oh. last episode with Spencer. <laughs> he wasn't here for that, so he didn't read really I wasn't. I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, if was... I was at any sort of shirtless, then it was probably a good photo. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, it was that the one for the podcast photo. audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that one. Stay for work, officially, just for the record here. Nothing untoward. About I mean, there are other ones where I have like a wet t-shirt on, which you could use, which is probably a little safer. Oh. Mm. that's safer uh, really some reason, some reason get into I the feel back like, muscles yeah i feel like it's safer with no shirt honestly mm. yeah like okay. wet one is i don't know it's so suggestive. it raises questions about why why is it wet Hawks. i'm inside of a Can pool we talk about the Hawks? because i'm inside of a pool you would never <laughs> wear a weird. shirt in a pool that's i know it was a weird photo ask but you know i say yes <laughs> um <laughs> guys let's talk about the hawks um what do you make with, of what's going on with the Hawks with this dumpster fire of a team? Yeah, I mean, what is going on with the Hawks? I'm going to sit back and listen to Pablo explain this one. Loaded <laughs> question. Um, it sort of speaks to a storyline we've covered on this show before, which is, does everyone hate Trey Young? Also, this DeJounte Murray thing. Like, why did that happen? Are they getting along? And also, like, 
where where's the GM of the team, Travis Schlenk? Well, it turns out that per Rick Buecher and Sam Amick, uh, two reporters at The Athletic, or Sam Amick is, um, Nick Ressler, the 27-year-old son of the owner of the team, Tony Ressler, who I should say here, guys, is a big private equity dude, right? Like, this is where he comes from. He's one of those private equity principles. He's one of those private equity princes that uh, makes me stumble because I choke on the shameless capitalism of why and how he made his money. But that 27-year-old son is now like the shadow general manager, if I can sum up this card into one thing. He ousted Travis Schlenk, the president of basketball ops, who is now in an advisory role that everyone on the team, including John Collins, speaks of in like a scare quote. Who they just extended last year, I believe. Yes, exactly. He was the guy from the Warriors who they extended last year. And it turns out that Nick Ressler is now allegedly the guy who wanted DeJounte Murray, despite Travis Schlenk not wanting to trade a bunch of first rounders, a pick swap, and eventually, as a result, losing Kevin Herter, who is, yeah, Red Velvet from their playoff run, who is now destroying people. R.I.P. Kavon, since he moved from Atlanta to Sacramento. Go Terps, by the way. That's right. Uh, you didn't even mention two of the more intriguing names in there. Your boy, Landry Fields. Did you mention him? I'm sorry. No, you did. he's in here too. No, he's in here yeah. too. That's right. GM, baby, baby GM. by the way, 35-year-old uh, Landry Fields uh, is a new GM of that team uh, who basically in a team meeting explaining everything said, hey, if anybody doesn't want to be part of this, it's okay. You can raise your hand and we'll let you out, which is not something you should say as a 35-year-old GM who has not sort of garnered the respect of your group. Um Kyle Korver is gone from an advisor to an assistant GM all of a sudden. And I don't like, I think at the end, the end of all this is just going to be more of a realization that, Hey, these are all businesses run by random people. And sometimes you can screw it up. Sometimes they're not well-oiled machines. Sometimes you can let your son play with your, your toy uh, that you have. And sometimes he's going to mess it up. And when you think about some of these moves, that were made at the DeJounte Murray move where it's three. You mentioned a bunch of three first rounders at a pick yes. swap, um, which sounds very similar to another sort of non-basketball uh, move in Minnesota with Rudy Gobert for all those picks. Right. You got guys over there making odd decisions. And when you sort of, you know, dig deep into what's going on in Atlanta, it, it's that it's the son of the owner sort of um, allowed to do more than he should. And you've got all these folks who have never really been in positions of power saying to themselves, I'm pretty sure I could do this. Like Landry Fields, I played for the Knicks at a time where most people didn't think I was very good. So probably I could do this if most people don't think I'm very good at this as well. And you pair that with the imperfect superstar that is Trey Young, who is supposedly friends with uh, the son of the owner. That's a key detail. Right. And yeah. so it makes you understand more of the frustrations of Nate McMillan, who was brought in to sort of fix things um, when things weren't going well and, you know, took them farther than they thought or further than they were they were expected to go to the conference finals. And it's just a lovely mess. Like it's I love like reading about it because it makes you think, OK, like this is why Atlanta is what it is. This is why when you hear like something as crazy as John Collins, who they were like holding off on trading, is now able to be had for far less like something like that being even reported being leaked tells you nobody at least outside of Trey Young's probably inner circle really wants to be there and I think one element of this that kind of confirms that is um 
you know, when Landry Fields was in that room saying that, hey, you know, if anybody wants to go, I don't think anybody truly raised their hand in front of everybody and said, I want to go. But it was probably the timing of it soon after that, where John Collins was, you know, to be had for less. So maybe he went to them and said, hey, you guys signed me because I was supposed to be part of this core, part of this future. And now I'm kind of an afterthought who many people think I'm overpaid and I'm part of this mess. Get me out of here. So if I'm a rival GM or a rival team, I'm just circling around this team like a the like idea. a vulture <laughs> waiting yeah. to see well, if yeah. I can take a couple of pieces here because then there's a whole DeJounte Murray conversation, which I haven't even gotten into. So it sort of shows you maybe he was more trouble than he was worth in San, in San Antonio because San Antonio, as a great organization as they are, are not giving away future stars, right? And so when you when he moved well, on for those picks, you're kind of wondering, well, hmm. But hold on, though. I mean, the price they got for him, Dominique, was three True. first rounders. and a, It was like as much as you could possibly hope for for a guy who is – Still, otherwise, like a promising younger player. Yeah, I'm, I think we always assume that because a business is uh, making a lot of money and appears uh, functional on outside, that it is actually like all buttoned up. The one thing that we uh, that we don't appreciate about the like legal monopoly that is professional sports is that they are protected. So the idea that a, a a regular company could be run like uh like this is hard for us to imagine because this company would fail its way out of business or at least fail its way out of prominence. The this is one of the drawbacks of having all these teams be able to collude in the way that they do and share revenue in the way that they do is that you can have people do ridiculous things like this and it's not this is an extreme example, but I think the more unique part is that it got out. Not that some weird is happening in a front office. I think it got to yeah. the point where people wanted to leak this information because they want to make it as messy as possible. But weird is happening. The yeah. There was information trying to get out. And when, you, when you're dealing with who you're dealing with, it kind of makes sense that eventually somebody's going to leak it. Uh, and this this league, as they call it, is one that really kind of thrives on this type of uh, drama, which uh, at one point, I think we all thought it was like cool for the league to have this side soap opera that keeps us interesting, but including some people in the league. But I think it's it's panned out that it doesn't really translate to people watching the game. It's yeah, just embarrassing. <laughs> so like I, I have a hard time. Like I, I, I get why this is funny, but I have a hard time laughing at it because it just seems like well, a mess. And I feel bad for like the fans on some level. Right. But right. the players like. Well, think They're, about Hawks fans and player. I mean, Dominique, let's 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 remember here, right? Like Hawks fans, Black Atlanta Hawks fans, were people who were not actually wanted based on the marketing practices of the team. And now here is this new ownership group. Here is this new CEO. Here are these new people. Here's Trey Young, and it's supposed to be fun. And instead, you're like, wait a minute, do I hate Trey Young now? Am I am I being am I rooting for a team that's run by a nepo baby who like? isn't qualified like these are actual questions that Hawks well, fans are probably Atlanta not. is in that sort of weird space because they are a major city they are you know a destination type of place but in terms of sports franchises at least in the NBA small market team and when you look at um the way the Hawks are doing this so the way Landry Fields talks about this he talks about it like he's an f those picks you know big market we don't need we don't have time for that rebuild stuff 
And that's the exact opposite of what you are. If you're in Atlanta, you need to walk that fine line. You need to, hey, yeah, cater to Trey because after seven years, he could go elsewhere. But you also need to get the draft picks and get more sort of surprising, successful players at, around him, right? Because you're not going to get the free agents clamoring to play in Atlanta with Trey Young much less in Atlanta with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, because where are all the other touches going? And so I think the way they're sort of doing that as if they were, you know, playing in New York or coach or, you know, building a team with that much pressure, it just goes to show you, they seem to be going about this the wrong way. It seems that they're skipping steps and trying to be the, you know, successful franchise that knows how to um, develop talent and doesn't need the draft picks and just would go after the big names via trades, whatever you can get your hand on type of stuff. And they're just not that organization. It's, uh, it is an uh, episode of Succession, um, a, a much clumsier, sillier <laughs> episode of Succession, where it feels like just uh, people who are not qualified for the positions that they are in, but because of relationships have found themselves there, making a mess of uh, a possibly strong organization. It's uh, sad and disappointing uh, for the players whose careers are connected to this, including the Claire players who are like benefiting from this in whatever way they could be. It's like it's actually not helping you maximize your career. It's it sucks for them and it sucks for the fans and it sucks for us because it was fun that one time the Hawks were like, well, decent. that playoff run. Well, that's it thing. was they really made, fun. I mean, look, I, I suffered as a Sixers apologist for it. It was objectively a great storyline Knicks fan too and, 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 and god it was too. just ahead of schedule traumatic you, you look at and now and now is he just to reset here ninth in the east 500 as we tape right now and landry field is cousin greg yeah and you look at like okay i keep harping on john collins because he is sort of an example of like what you how you not do you not have stability in your in your organization right because you you, you were sort of hemming and hawing on whether to sign him to extension. You officially sign him to extension. You say he's going to be part of your future, right? But it's not like you just sign players with potential or, you know, that they've shown you something and then they automatically become better. It's not like the Miami Heat drafted Bam Adebayo as Hassan Whiteside's backup and he magically became an all-star center. You have to develop these players. And if John Collins isn't getting any better, you know, in year three or whatever of his big contract, that's is it because of him or because of the opportunities he is not getting or is it because you know the staff is not uh, advancing him and giving them opportunities to you know run the offense or do something different or just uh, develop as a player and so I think you look at all these things and if this becomes it stays as messy as it is like it's ruining the franchise for at least another half you know half dozen years because again everybody's going to look at that and say that's chaos nobody wants to go there yeah a bad owner Alabaster, but yeah. I, I I feel like that's the issue. But it seems like you maybe have heard heat culture in the way that I just did creep into. I, I I did. I wanted to move off that very quickly to remind you of a detail that I I found very funny from the story was that Nick Ressler's first move was to sign Aaron Holiday, who is his friend who he played high school basketball with. And that is the most succession thing of all of this. You took a team that was <laughs> the young and upcoming team in the East and you just signed your high school buddy. They got Stewie as their backup point guard. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, the man. other other holiday. Yeah. But just to be clear, you did hear the part about Bam Adebayo, right? Okay. I just I let it go in and out. I just wasn't going to address it. I thought that was <laughs> the better thing to do. Okay. Guys, let's talk about another team. Heard it. Should the uh the Suns who are currently sliding, should they trade DeAndre Ayton and blow it up? 
why are we stopping with DeAndre Aiden? Like Chris Paul, like why? I, I feel like everything is possible now. Like, am I, am I, I understand that DeAndre Aiden came into this, another storyline we've been tracking on this show, came into this with all sorts of discontent and was allegedly a malcontent according to his coach. But now it just feels like, wow, they really f***ed this season up, huh? <laughs> just like a roller coaster analogy where I don't know which is the good part and which is the bad part of a roller coaster. Um, sliding has always been fun since I was a child. Fair so point. I don't really understand why it's, it's seen as a negative. Like, uh, good point. But just a side note, mm. um, look, Almost DeAndre humble. Ayton, it was known from the beginning of the year, it was going to be, hey, we can either, you know, hold our water with, with DeAndre Ayton, I hate that phrase, um, and, and see if we can, you know, get back to the finals or what have you and, and put this thing together, or it's it's just not. It's going to be very evident early on that it's not going to work. And the reason it's DeAndre Ayton and not, you know, you're hearing Chris Paul and all this stuff is because he's the most attractive piece, right? He's the guy, uh, young Big guy who, at least by his assumption, if you were to give him more responsibility, would do even more. And if you look at his per 36, like, your guy plays 25 minutes a game. That's not a lot for a young guy who you want to, hey, more is on you. You should be able to play more minutes. He's not. And if you go by per 36, he's going to give you 21 and 12, okay? And if you have a big guy in the NBA who gives you 21 and 12 with, like, a usage rate in the low 20s, like, that's pretty good. And so if you're Toronto, who is – has question marks and has some, you know, pieces, uh, some extra pieces on the wing that sort of duplicate in talent. Well, hey, you might want to think about getting your DeAndre Ayton. Or if you're the Atlanta Hawks, who seem to just see, you know, shiny objects out there and want to go after them, maybe you go get him. And so I think the Suns have done a good job of staying right there, like, you know, one game from out of the play in, in both directions. And so they can still tweak and fix it, assuming, you know, you're getting a healthy Devin Booker back and getting some Chris Paul back. So if you can get something from Atlanta, if you can get something from Toronto or, you know, Chicago, uh, teams that feel like, hey, they were sort of missed, uh, they were created poorly, just need to tweak here and there. I, th- I think you do that. And so um, it's probably the best scenario for DeAndre Ayton to have this team not do good. To have, if this team was, you know, winning 60% of its games, he'd probably still be middling there and be like, all right, I'm still going to be a 17 and nine guy on this team. It's probably not going to make it uh, to the finals again. But I think this is, you know, this is the time where he, you can still sort of sell high on him because he still is his percentages have dropped a little bit, but he still hasn't fallen off and you can still project him to be, you know, an all-star caliber center in the league. Yeah, James Jones is another former player who became a GM soon after his playing career, but he actually seems to have been good at this job for the most part. Um, Some like reasonable consider or uh, concerns with like building depth at the center spot in the past couple of seasons. But overall, in defense of former players going straight to uh, the GM job, there's there's a there's no comparison uh, to this in the previous story, but. I would say as far as DeAndre Ayton, this always speaks to me when I when we talk about basketball players in that team, how small the roster is and how much power the players have. And when there's a player who's upset, who's important to your roster, that has power and leverage, it never feels like there is any coming back from that. Like it depends on if there's something, if it's about a contract, you can fix that contract, that's fine. If it's about trade, uh, about a new coach or some sort of change like that or another player on the team, maybe you can fix that. But this just feels like it runs deeper <laughs> than that, that there's no one thing that can be fixed. I do not remember the NBA story where a player was publicly upset at his organization and then they worked it out. 
So, uh, well, there's nobody, there doesn't seem to be anybody on DeAndre Ayton's side, right? Because Monty Williams, you know, famously, whatever, with, whether what he did say or doesn't say, uh, doesn't seem to be on, on DeAndre Ayton's side. They seem to be at odds. And if you're Monty, you're taking whatever side Chris Paul and Devin Booker are on. And so if those two aren't out here championing for DeAndre, then, you know, they we know what side they're on. And so he's out there probably on an island in Phoenix and a uh, very dry island. And, you know, probably has wanted out and, and trying to be the good professional who just does his job and doesn't whine. So he continues to look good. And I think he's done a decent job at it. You know, they've had a couple uh, blow ups on the on the sideline, if you will. But they've kept it to basketball. They've kept it from spilling out uh, really nationally. And so, yeah, I think I think he still has that attractive uh, that attractiveness to him. So one, there's one, one other. Oh, go, go ahead, Alabaster. So there's one other thing about this team that I think is interesting and that's the Chris Paul piece and whether or not they should and could trade him because he has moved to a different phase of his career where he's not an every night contributor and this team has Devin Booker who established himself as one of the 10 or 12 best players in the league Mikhail Bridges who's one of the process sixer one of the best uh, wing defenders in the league Cam Johnson who should come back from injury should they also trade Chris Paul if they can find a suitor well, Chris well, Paul is in the Tiger Woods phase of his career, right? He's only playing the majors, essentially. Like, if you get a healthy, a healthy Chris Paul for the playoffs, I think you have to cons- consider holding on to him and just saying, hey, uh, I don't think we're going to get anything back. Like, who else has, I mean, outside of the Lakers, maybe, who else has that that hole where they can say, hey, I can well, put a vet in there who's not going to give me 30 minutes a game and, well, and we pay should- $40 million. Right. No, I think we should consider, like, which teams want to take on the the headache of a solution that Chris Paul can be the guy who does not want to be the backseat driver. He wants his hand on the wheel, but will always make it known what he thinks a team should do because he is actually that good at basketball, actually that visionary, actually maybe the greatest point guard of all time, depending on how you feel about, you know, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, et cetera. Um, but the question really does hinge on like Devin Booker. Alabaster, you put that card up a little while ago. When Devin Booker got hurt, I believe they were a top five team in the West. And ever since they have fallen out of it, yes, fourth in the West, 18 and 12. And now they're 21 and 24 and 12th. And that is the question. When he comes back, does this become an obvious playoff team? Because if it doesn't, and if they're not, then yes, I think you figure out, okay, who who out here could use an elder statesman who doesn't want to play like an elder statesman, except he absolutely is only playing on a limited basis like Chris Paul. Chris Paul, like uh, all of this, the dynamics for this team and for a lot of teams are interesting because Chris Paul has a disproportionate level of power based on his level of contribution, given the amount of money that he makes and given his prestige on this team. And it's an interesting dynamic because he doesn't always come across as the easiest guy to play with and get along with. No, his relationship with DeAndre Ayton is a particularly interesting one to me, because if I remember correctly, DeAndre Ayton was like talk being talked about like he was a bust. Then Chris Paul got there and he was really good. And the story was Chris Paul unlocked DeAndre Ayton. And now we're at a situation where it's clear that if anything, there's some friction between uh, them and friction between Aiden and uh, the sun. So how all this fell apart is impossible well, for a, me to understand, but I it's don't. an unlocking of Deandre Aiden till he hits the ceiling, right? To Deandre Aiden, it's like, finally, I've got somebody that can get me the ball, get me the ball more. 
And Chris Paul's like, "Mm -mm, it's just as much as we need you as much because you're clearly third in line in in this hierarchy. So uh, I I think that there's that's probably and that's probably always where it's been some sort of a clash with Chris Paul as it's become a guards game while he's been in the league. But um, there are also some sort of non contenders that you can see DeAndre Ayton going to where they're building. Detroit had a, a, you know, flirtation with him during the offseason. And I would say it seemed like Utah looking to rebuild uh, quickly can take sort of a young, uh, good center there. Although they have a guy that we spoke about recently named Walker Kessler, who just dropped a 2020 oh, burger on, uh, on <laughs> I think it was on Minnesota. Of Why course, is that you know, a nephew burger? of former Miami what, Heat what, what, when does uh, it player, Alec Kessler. That's a great what? question. We've been having this discussion in my household. Is it a burger if you add a, a remainder to it? Like, is it a 53 burger or is it just a 50 burger? And then you get more Absolutely specific. Not. It's a really good question. You can't have a 53 burger, right? But you can have a double, double burger, a 2020 burger, which I believe is, you know, it's a double. You could have burger, a quarter right? pounder. You could have a double, double. You could have a Whopper Junior. What's a quarter you pounder? 25 points? An odd number. Quarter pounder is, yeah, that's 25 points. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do the math. But, but a hundred of what is a pound? Like a quarter pounder should be four points because four ounces, right? It's a quarter of a pound. Oh, Alabaster has a has a has a mathematical <laughs> solution. No, guys, us, I, I just think. I think I just had a moment of genius. I oh, know exactly right. what James Jones should do. Oh. He should call Nick Wrestler and rip <laughs> his face off and take every good player off that team. Well, I mean, apparently John Collins could be had for a player of less than DeAndre Ayton's caliber. So DeJounte just go ahead and Trey Young too. In 2024, absolutely can play off of the fact that he's not happy about being paired with a guy who is driving the offense down by being the entire offense of Trey Young while also being Listen, really good at defense. My one prediction of this trade deadline season is that two, not one, two Bogdanoviches will be moved during this trade deadline. Oh my gosh, what an exciting prediction. Everyone's excited. On the ticker, boys. Can't wait. Do it Dou- quickly. A double buggy move. Bogdanoviches. Nobody's going to know which is which, and nobody's going to know till next year where they are because it's going to take you half the season to figure so out. So you're essentially saying this is going to be the most exciting trade deadline in the history of the NBA. Bogey Burger. Bogdanovich trade. Bogey Burger. Wow. It is, it is, it is amazing. Bogdan and Boyan. Both in the league. Just the embarrassment of Bogdanovich's. Different people. And not, I mean, not brothers, as I once made a mistake. With a pair of bridges. Bridges. <laughs> who I'd like to not sell you. I think we're done. <laughs>